Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right, hey, hey, and welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette newspaper, and we have some stuff to break down. Number one, what does Bill Wagner look like in a tuxedo? Well, we're about to find out as he and the rest of his Annapolitan Club cronies will be donning their penguin suits and attending the brigade boxing finals at Alumni Hall tonight. We'll talk to Navy boxing coach Jim McNally about what we should expect at those brigades, how his son will do, and will the next iteration of Ollie North versus Jim Webb go down? We shall see. We'll talk to him in the next segment. But first, let's talk results. And there were largely good results. Let's start with Navy women's basketball. The Navy's dropped a tough one, but a revealing one to Loyola on Wednesday night. Loyola essentially dominated the mids to notch their second win, second win in the Patriot League. This is not a good team. In fact, they're one of the worst teams in the league, and they beat us by double digits. So, Wags, I think this is a very revelatory result. Tim Taylor's squad has two games left, both at home. What do you think about the future? This is unfortunately one of those uncomfortable situations where you're a team underperforming, during a historical years for other teams overperforming. They're all winning stars. One of the two teams that didn't win stars against Army, Tim Taylor's team. Despite all this other success, here's women's basketball struggling. How do you evaluate this? Well, John, he's rebuilding the program, and he needs to get his own players in here. In fact, before we came on this podcast to tape the podcast today, I was talking to Tim because I'm writing about the seniors. They're going to I should tell the fans that Navy women's basketball is going to celebrate senior night on Saturday because it's easier for the parents of the seniors to get into town as opposed to next Wednesday night, a weeknight. But I'm going to write about the seniors. But prior to talking to Tim about the seniors, we were talking about the recruiting class, and he's basically bringing in an entire team. He is bringing in seven plebes, and he is very high on all of them. So really, we need to wait and see what Tim does with the players he's recruited. This is a transitional year, and let's be honest, John, they're just not that talented, and they're not deep. They, they, they have number crunch. They're, they're only playing seven players pretty much, not getting offensive production on a consistent basis from anyone but Jen Coleman, and they're, they're in trouble, John. They're 4-12 they're and 12 in the Patriot League. Uh, they, they play Colgate. It's going to be a big game because they lost to Colgate earlier in the year. Colgate's the number nine seed, but no matter how you slice it, eight, nine, ten, they're playing on the road against a really good team. So as it shapes up right now, Navy would be playing at American, which is 11 and five. And if memory serves, American beat Navy fairly handily during the regular season. 
With ease. Yeah. So I'll have to ask you, um, and I know you'll cover it during your uh, senior night coverage for the Capitol, but if you had to make a Mount Rushmore, is Jen Coleman on there for Navy women's basketball? Well, she certainly has etched her name in the history books. It's, it's hard because for me, and this is just how I've always been as, as a journalist, when you talk MVPs, when you talk about, you know, greatest of all time, I link that to team success. And they have not had any that much success. They've had bottom lines. They've had losing records every year. Jen Coleman's been at Navy. So it's not her fault. She's done every she thinks she can to lift the program. She just hasn't had any help. But it would be hard to put her up there with the likes of Courtney Davidson or some of the players that played during that one run of Pempers, Stephanie Pempers, when they went to the NCAA tournament three times, the likes of Jade Geith. Um, so it, it, it's difficult numbers wise, she's right there. And I will say she's the greatest double, double machine in Navy women's basketball history. Oh, for sure. I'm pretty, I think I, and I, I don't know that we've ever gotten this full list, but I'm pretty sure she has holds the record for most double doubles in Navy women's history. I need to talk with Alex Lum of sports information on that. We were tracking that, and I had the number, and I need to go back and update. But, yeah, I mean, she is good for 20 points, 10, 12 rebounds every single game. And she also fills the stat sheet with the steals, the assists. So numbers-wise, she ranks there with anyone. But, unfortunately, she's been here at Navy during a very down four-year period, John. Well, you just described my entire career for the CNAV uh, intramural team in McDonough Hall, all about the stats. None of the other lieutenants could support me. So, you know, that's the way it was. Chris, any perspective to add on this before we move on to women's lacrosse? I'm looking forward to uh, to Coach Taylor bringing in his, you know, first real class and seeing what, what he can do. Uh, you know, if you guys have said many times, there's a lot of talent on that coaching staff. Uh, very thankful to uh, the team that has worked hard this year, but uh, I, I look forward to next year from a women's basketball standpoint. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to get better. And it, again, like the men's team, and we're going to get to that here in a minute about how they have rebounded from each tough loss. I think Tim Taylor's ladies need to look at this entire season like one big punch in the face, like Jim McNally is going to talk about in the boxing segment. And you just got to get up off the mat and meet that. And I know that they're going to do that next season. So let's talk about women's. Hold lacrosse. on before, before you move on, I don't think you can talk about women's basketball without mentioning the name Becky Dowling. So uh, Wags did not mention Becky Dowling uh, in, in my time at the Naval Academy, the absolute best uh, women's basketball. I would even say basketball player. I mean, she would give Mike Curie a run for his money in terms of, uh, you, you know, the quality of her, her game. Oh, her without, picture hangs in uh, in Ricketts Hall. I mean, that's yeah, it belongs there. Without question, I think the only two uh, Navy women's basketball players whose jerseys hang from the rafters of Alumni Hall are the one I mentioned, Courtney Davidson, and uh, what who you just mentioned, Becky Dowling. Becky Dowling, for sure. All right, so let's talk women's lacrosse. So Cindy, Cindy's ladies got it done up at the Mount. Scenic Emmitsburg in February. I mean, who doesn't like that? But, you know, they were trailing by one in the fourth quarter, and they used a 5-0 run that spanned only 90 seconds. That's explosiveness, ladies and gentlemen, to gain a lead over the Mount 
that would they, that they would not relinquish holding on for a 13-11 very important road victory here in the early stanzas of the season. Senior captain Reagan Roloff scored two goals and added an assist. Roloff converted a free position attempt to get the scoring started with 12.47 left on the clock, and she tied the game at 8-8. She then won the subsequent draw control um, and passed the ball ahead to Charlotte Ryan, who buried the ball in just six seconds later to tie the NCAA record for the fastest goal or the fastest goal in consecutive goals by the same team to give Navy a 9-8 advantage. And again, they would go on to win. You can come out and see this very explosive offensive machine on Friday night at 5 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Stadium as they take on Joe Cook's St. Joe squad. But Wags, what were your impressions? That's a pretty good result against a Mount team. Not that there's any direct correlation, but the Mount men beat the Mount uh, or the Mount men beat the Navy men. The Navy women got a little bit of revenge here. Well, Mount St. Mary's a solid women's program, and that's a great win. Go on the road up there and midweek afternoon. That's not a easy deal. A great win for Navy. They're in a tough stretch here. The St. Joseph's comes to Annapolis on Friday evening. That's going to be a, a strong opponent. Um, and then I believe they head up to Philadelphia. Hold on. It's, uh, let me fix. Let me check this, John, before I misspeak. Hold on. Then they head up to Philadelphia to take on Drexel, which is another solid program. And then the one I'm looking forward to, John, is two weeks from now, March 10th, uh, Thursday, Navy hosts Hopkins. Johns Hopkins has been a really good program under Coach Janine Tucker, and I'm really looking forward to that game. That's going to, I think that's really the toughest non-conference matchup the Navy has this season is Hopkins. So a uh, nice little run of tough games, and we'll see how Navy comes through it. Well, and I know that you, Wags, like I, you know, I, I get very, very happy when I see local products, when I see the name Beardmore score goals for Navy. You know, it just really makes me happy. You know, um, you know, it was, it's just one of those things where your coverage of local Anne Arundel County sports, when you see those uh, prep players performing well on the D1 level, particularly for a program under Cindy Timschel, you can see how well, like the entire um, yeah, narrative comes through that they're very talented athletes here and they're doing it on the high school and the collegiate level. Absolutely. And Navy's done a really good job of recruiting locally. You always see some St. Mary's, Severna Park players on the roster. You mentioned Lindsay Beardmore. She's a Spalding product and um, she's actually the granddaughter of the great Buddy Beardmore. And her father was yeah, Buddy Beardmore's so nephew. Schofield. Yep, that's right. So, uh, you know, yeah, she's she's from that Beardmore lineage, uh, uh, absolutely. And she's pretty darn good. She can score the ball. Uh, but, yeah, I like the fact that every season Navy women's lacrosse has had Anne Arundel County talent and often their prominent roles. Absolutely. So let's go to baseball. So following their first loss of the 2022 campaign Wednesday against Coppin State, the Navy baseball team will now return to action on Friday, seeking a very big bounce back effort as it travels to a three game series against Air Force in the annual Freedom Classic hosted in Kinston, North Carolina. The three game series will open Friday at 6 p.m. 
and then go into Saturday and then the series finale on Sunday. All games will have free live statistics available on NavySports.com. But first, let's break down the 15-9 shellacking they got from Coppin State to get their first loss of the season. I was there talking to Matt Munley. It was a very Indian summer, gorgeous day where temps were in the 60s. But then all I saw at WAGS was batting practice, and you talked about this. When we broke down the UNBC wins, the only Achilles heel for this squad was pitching, and boy, did it really wreck them during this loss to Coppin State. The pitching just wasn't there. Yes, Coach Costacopoulos said the pitching staff was going to be a work in progress. I'm getting a little worried, though. They've given up 34 runs in three games. Um, it's not going to get it done. Wait till they get into Patriot League play. So they got to figure this out and find some reliable starters. They're not getting much you know, innings out of the starters. They're going into the bullpen. And, I mean, th- it's crazy. He's having to use four or five pitchers a game uh, just to get through a game. So, uh, obviously, Navy can score. Uh, they're averaging over the double digits for runs. So, offense is not the problem. But uh, early on, I mean, I, this is not – encouraging john no and and you said it exactly right they haven't even gotten into the patriot league schedule and we know that guys can rake in that conference so we really we really need to get this together and and hopefully it does come together so finally let's break down what was a really good senior night for navy basketball wags you and i were there we watched a very up and down game. We watched Mike Heary's evaluation of this squad go, you know, a- absolutely prophetic, you know, like, hey, we don't score enough points. They look very tight at the end and it all happened that way. And then lo and behold, they came up with enough plays. They came up with enough stout defensive stops. And then Sean Yoder true to the season so far, made the defensive play that turned into offense that eventually led to the game-winning basket. So in the end, it was a very big two-point win that secured the two-seed in the Patriot League Wags. In the end, good win, bad win. I think we were going to get the two-seed anyway. But what was your evaluation in the end of this very important result that I think meant more for the seniors than a lot of people realized. Well, every win's a good win, John, uh, but there's concerns. Uh, Navy can't score. They, they can't get to 60 points. Um, Colgate averages in the 70s. Um, there's just, there's other teams in this conference that are, and Navy's defense is elite. It's amazing what they do. Nobody, everybody has trouble scoring against Navy. And I talked to Loyola coach Tavares Hardy about it. He said, they make it really hard for you to score. And they, Cam Spencer came in leading the conference and scoring at almost 19 points a game. And he only, he only managed nine, but uh, I, going into the tournament, you've got to find some consistent offense. Cause you can't like what Mike Erie said in our previous pod was spot on when you're not scoring, every team remains in the game. You can play the greatest defense you want. But look at what the score was. It was always a two, three-point game because Navy couldn't get any separation. With the defense they play in, they, they, I think Loyola went almost 
five minutes at one point without a field goal, that's when you've got to gain some separation, get up by double digits. And it's just not happening because Navy can't score consistently itself. Pete Meadows found a stat that was amazing. Um, Navy is on a run of holding opponents to 55 points or less that it's, I think it's six straight games. And the last time that Navy did that was in the 1950-51 season when basketball was in the dinosaur ages. So uh, it's really impressive with the defense, John, but the offense, oh, my God, it's, it's hard to watch. The only person who did anything last night was John Carter Jr. with 18 points. Uh, very little out of anyone else. Daniel Deaver, I think, was the next leading scorer with eight. Um, now, and there's issues, John, we, Patrick Dorsey and Greg Summers did not play. Um, I don't think you're going to see them against Colgate. Cause that's now really in, a, in essence, a meaningless game. Uh, Colgate's wrapped up the top seed. Navy's number two. The game has no impact whatsoever. Although I think if you're Navy, you'd like to go up to Hamilton, New York and show Colgate what you're all about. And that if you happen to meet them in the championship game of the Patriot League tournament, you know, they know what's coming, but because Colgate beat Navy pretty handily here in Annapolis, John. Colgate's good. So, uh, But either way, will Dorsey and Greg Summers be back for the Patriot League tournament? That's a really big question because they are key members of the rotation. Well, yeah, they get a week from today, right? So the quarterfinal is uh, uh, next Thursday, and we'll see what happens. But again, the depth was on display with Summers and Dorsey not playing. They still went way deep. They still went 12 deep, like guys getting minutes. Mac McDonald, you know, we talked about it during the uh, during the Instagram posts last night. There, there were tons of guys, P.J. Roach, playing those many minutes. Now, I know it was because of the Summers injury, but those were really good minutes for guys who are going to need to play substantive minutes during the Patriot League tournament. But Chris Cervello, I'm going to throw it over to you. In the end, the fact that this team was so close at the end, you know, leads us to continue to question, like Mike Heary said, is this team clutch? Do they have the ability to take that sort of, you know, punch in the face on the boxing theme for today's pod? Do they have the ability to get up off the mat and meet that when it's winner take all in the Patriot League tournament? The word clutch, I think, is very apropos here because it's debatable whether they are or not. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much torn on this team. Um, you know, uh, I don't have the benefit of, uh, of seeing them in person or feeling the emotion like you and Wags and Ward do. So what I'm left with is yelling at my ESPN Plus on my, uh, my iPhone or, you know, wherever I'm watching it. Uh, and I certainly was yelling last night. I thought they were going to lose that game. I, I mean, I, I would say that they they snuck by um, right now based upon their body of work over the last couple of games. I, I don't think they do very well in the tournament. Um, I think they've got a ton of talent. It's a great group of young men. Um, it's, a, it's a good coaching staff, but I just don't feel like all of the chemistry has come together this year for all the reasons that you guys have already talked about. Um, I would like to see them a bit more emotional. I would like to see them finishing games strong. I would like to see all the things that, you know, um, Wags and, and Heary talked about in our last uh, couple pods. 
and I'm just not seeing that yet. So are they clutch? I, I don't know if, you know, I know I use that word last night, you know, I, I worry that they're not clutch, but I, I just don't know that they're excited enough uh, to be where they are right now. I, again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that's just a result of the, the flat medium that is my iPhone as I watch these guys. Well, I'll tell you, I'll use one sample size of Colin Schofield, who was at the game last night and sitting courtside. Many thanks to Matt Lindley again. But there was a three, and I was standing right there with Chris Hoffman um, as John Carter hit it. And it might not have been a three, but it was a very critical J um, that, that, again, expanded the lead. And I actually saw John Carter hit his heart and be demonstrative after he hit a shot. And Colin looked at me and was like, I've never seen him show emotion. And that's exactly right. A lot of this team, despite having really, really good players, there aren't guys who express that emotion. When I saw John Carter do that, it was such an aberration that it made us take note. And I really hope that they start to embody that and really start to, to, to hit their heart and, and put some fight into it so that they can end up you know, getting their name called on Selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament. But again, one more game up at uh, Colgate to end the season. Wags, you know, as we go out, let us know, what would you do if you were the coach? If if I were Ed DeCellis, I would start Mac McDonald. I would start all the walk-ons. The game doesn't mean anything. You've got injury issues with Dorsey and Summers. You know, what kind of squad do you think you're going to see there? Well, I don't think Summers and Dorsey will play. Obviously, if, if they've got their nursing injuries, it's no point in playing them in a game that really has no impact on the final standings. That said, you got to play to win. I mean, this is a team that if you want to win a Patriot League championship, you, you're going to have to probably go through Colgate. I mean, yeah, they could get upset. Navy would not meet Colgate until the finals. So being one and two seeds, Colgate's at home, Navy's at home. So... Navy will, if they win the quarterfinal matchup on next Thursday, they'll be home, I believe it's Sunday, in the semifinals, and then they would go to Colgate. But, and yes, Colgate could get upset and you see someone else, but I don't think so. Colgate, the 15-2, and two, they're, they're a darn good program. Uh, I, I don't think there's much chance that Colgate's not going to be in the championship game, and that means you need to beat them on their home floor. So why not go up there Saturday and prove you can do it? So, Chris Cervello, as we go out, like, again, let's not get to Winston Wolf here, but before any matchup against Colgate in the Patriot League tournament happens, we'd have to probably face, if the tournament started today, and this matchup looks more and more likely, we'd have to face the winner of Holy Cross and Bucknell. Um, you know, Bucknell, we beat handily, but Holy Cross gave us some issues. If Holy Cross wins this matchup and then Holy Cross comes in, for a, for a quarterfinal that's absolutely going to put a lot of pressure on this team that doesn't score a lot of points, what do you think the result is? Let me just go back to your, your first question, and then I'll answer the second. I think you got to go up to Colgate and, and put on a big show, right? I mean, if you lose, okay, fine, because you didn't play, you know, your starters to, because you're arresting them. But I think you've got to come out of that Colgate with a, a game with an emotional win. You've got to carry that then back to uh, – you, you know, alumni hall. Um, I think the greater probability, if anybody was to lose before you got to a Navy Colgate 
final is that Navy loses, um, you, you know, because of the close games that they've played. So I'd want to, I'd want to have that momentum. I'd want to have some of that emotion uh, on my side when I play either, you know, Holy Cross or Bucknell. And, and, and I'd, I'd want to turn that loose at home. You, you know, I'd want, I want the mids there. I'd want it loud. I'd want it raucous. Uh, um, and, and, you know, I think this team uh, need, needs that. Um, or, or else it's going to be one and done and there's going to be a lot of head scratching and, you know, what could have been after, you know, we saw the, the potential that this team had at, at, at different points in the season. There were still more mids at ship selection night than there were at Alumni Hall last night. And so I have to implore the midshipmen to come out and, and support this team you know, the entire staff and faculty of the Naval Academy, please come out and support this team as they go on on this March, hopefully to the month of March. Um, you know, get out there and support them because right now the the atmosphere at Alumni Hall is almost cavernous and it needs to be better than that if we want this team to go on to March. Wags, take us out. Well, that's a very good point. I really sincerely hope that there is a incredible crowd, tons of midshipmen at that Patriot League tournament quarterfinal. This team deserves and needs your support. And that's one way, I mean, to be honest, they got upset by Loyola in the quarterfinals last year and there was, there was no one there. There's no home court advantage. Make this a home court advantage for Navy. That would be a huge difference. If Navy has massive crowds in the quarterfinals and semifinals at Alumni Hall, there's a reward that goes with being the number two seed. It's called playing at home, but it's no advantage if there's no one in the in the arena to intimidate the opposing team. We definitely need atmosphere, ladies and gentlemen. We know we're going to get it during brigade boxing, and we're going to talk to Navy boxing coach Jim McNally right after this break. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. The Navy women's basketball team returns to Alumni Hall this Saturday for a 4 p.m. matchup with Colgate. Be sure to get to Alumni Hall early as they will be honoring the senior class prior to the game. In addition, fans coming from the Navy men's lacrosse game earlier that afternoon can show their ticket from the game at Alumni Hall to receive free admission to the women's basketball game. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Now, at that women's basketball game, the Navy cheer and dance teams will be hosting a pre-game clinic from 1 to 3 p.m. The clinic package is $25 and includes the clinic, lunch, and a ticket to the women's basketball game. So for more information, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit the marketing table. Now, I mentioned men's lacrosse. The Navy men's lacrosse team has five more home games this season, including a noon tilt with High Point on Saturday. For tickets to that game, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. We are back from break. Thanks for sticking with us. We are so proud to be joined by Coach Jim McNally of Navy Boxing to preview Friday night's brigades. This is not Ollie North versus Jim Webb, but it's going to be pretty cool. Coming back after a year without fans, um, this is a very special moment. It's part of the history of the Naval Academy. And Coach, 
Walk us through really quick before I let Wags ask you the ins and outs, the Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson scenarios. What's it like to, to finally be back with like the Annapolitan Club coming in with their tuxedos, with the fans, with the revelry? Walk us through what that's going to be like on Friday night. It's going to be exciting. You know, last year uh, without with only having midshipmen, and the midshipmen were great, and we had a good crowd of midshipmen, but it's it's not the same as when you have um, all the the fans from Annapolis, including the Annapolitan Club, who who are like a hundred strong, wearing tuxedos, and we have another group of alumni and friends um, and business people from town who also come and wear tuxedos, and that's actually added a lot to the to the uh, tournament to the finals where it's become like a must go to event in Annapolis. I get emails all the time from people, hey, I was there last year with my spouse and uh, we saw the people tuxedos. That looks cool. You know, how can we do that? And it just it's it just seems to have added a nice element to it. And uh I'm really looking forward to having everybody back cuz you know, especially everybody being kind of stuck in our houses with COVID. Everybody's looking to get out and and enjoy sporting events and musical events and everything else that's out there. You know, so we're looking forward to it. Well, shout out to Dave Lillithorne uh, from the Lily Pad, who will lead the procession from the Annapolitan Club, I'm sure. Uh, he will look very svelte in his tuxedo after all of his workouts at Evolution's Gym with uh, yours truly. But, you know, Coach, I lost all the audio from our interview earlier in the week, and I'm so sorry about that. And I appreciate the time that you're giving us back. But one of those interviews was with your son, who's going to be boxing uh, on Friday night. Now, he boxed as a plebe, and he won. He boxed in front of no fans as a youngster, and he won. And now he's going back up as, as a junior. What's it been like to coach your son and to see your son rise up through the ranks? And I know that you hate talking about this, so I apologize in advance. But what's it like to be a proud parent of you know, not only a midshipman going through the ranks, but a really, really good boxer going through the ranks. Uh, you know, I, I, when my kids were young, and he's the fourth of my, uh, fourth of my four children, uh, the first three were triplets. And so I, I actually coached a lot of them when they were doing the, the little league stuff, the soccer, the little, you know, the, the soccer and the baseball, the t-ball and all that kind of stuff. So um, I kind of, I, I did coach them. And then when he got into the youngest one, Aiden, when he got into high school and even in middle school, he he started playing lax. He was doing he was doing like Green Hornets football and he did uh, and he did lacrosse and stuff. So I didn't I didn't coach him during those events. I coached him when they were younger. But um, now that he's boxing for me, I never he didn't start boxing until senior year in high school. But now that he started boxing, it's um it's fun. You know, I, I enjoy it. But I, to be honest, I treat him no different than any other midshipman on the team. But it, what, what's nice is that he's he actually listens. You know, I joke with the team. I said, you know, at home he doesn't listen at all very well. Uh, his, his room's a pigsty. You would never know he was a midshipman. But when he's in the gym, he actually listens to me. And and when he's competing, uh, I'm working a corner. You know, I call out combinations, and he listens to exactly what I say and throws exactly what I say. As a result, he. He's been very successful and has had a great year. Uh, he's had quite a few matches against Air Force and Army and a really good boxer from Cincinnati. He was a national runner-up, and he easily beat him. And so he's, he's having a really good year. And, 
I'm, I mean, obviously the brigades is a, is such a traditional tournament. It's the 81st annual. I mean, how could it not be traditional? So many of these competitors over the years have gone on to amazing careers in the, in the Navy and Marine Corps and then into the corporate world. They've, our best boxers represent us on the intercollegiate level, and we compete in the National Collegiate Boxing Association. So our goal is to, to uh, try and get as many champions as we can and come away with a team championship for both the men and for the, and our women. Wags, go ahead. Well, brigade boxing has become one of my favorite events to cover on the yard. I mean, it's so embedded in the fabric of the Naval Academy, and I think the reason is that every midshipman must take boxing and coach jump in is it as a plebe you must take boxing or is it at some point during your academy career you must take boxing uh, correct me on that no it, it, you're correct it, it's a uh, plebe year all midshipmen male and female will take uh, both boxing and wrestling as part of their combatives curriculum our our uh, physical education department is mainly made up of swimming combatives and then and that's the first three years you're taking either a swimming or a combative. Uh, we have a personal condition class where they learn how proper techniques of working out and whatnot. But then senior year, they get into electives. But right. Well, and so therefore, that's that's why the brigade championships are are so important because there's only so many midshipmen that'll choose to pursue boxing as their way to fulfill the physical mission. And that's what we talk about on this show all the time: is the physical mission, and boxing is a big part. Of fulfilling the physical mission at the Naval Academy. Um, when you look at the championship night, the crowd is raucous. The companies come out to root for their particular company mate. Uh, if uh, it happens, that we've had many occasions where a varsity athlete was uh, competing in the brigade championships. Last year was, a, I believe, Riley Smith, a former wrestler. So the whole wrestling team was out there going bonkers and <laughs> they watched him get beaten up pretty good. But um, uh, Jenny, talk about the atmosphere and how fun it is out there that night. Like, you know, John said, it's great. Without a doubt. It, I mean, it's uh, now this year, there's, I mean, typically when it's a varsity athlete, it's uh, um, somebody like a, f- a football player, a senior whose football career has ended and doesn't have to worry about spring ball and things of that nature. So that we would get those kind of guys. Uh, last year was a unique year because of COVID, and a lot of teams weren't doing a whole heck of a lot. They, you know, some of the varsity teams had a few competitions, but I don't think any varsity team had a full season of competitions. And and uh, so we we were able to get some other varsity athletes out. Like there were some wrestlers, and there was some a club lacrosse guy and a club uh, hockey guy, and and uh, you know they're all good athletes. And and uh, this year, you know, our the the building we that our boxing gym has been located in for forever at the Naval Academy. It's always been McDonough Hall. And um, currently it, it's undergoing a renovation for the next three years. So our gym got moved over to Dahlgren Hall, where they used to have the hockey rink before that moved across the river to a new facility. Um, Dahlgren Hall is like a sister building to McDonough Hall. On, on, and I'm sure you're familiar with the building. But it's um, So I didn't put a word out. I didn't put an email out to the brigade looking for boxers. Like I usually do, you know, hey, we're going to start training for brigade championships on such and such date. If you're interested in coming out, come on out. I, I didn't want to do that because I, the boxing gym is a little bit, it's a lot smaller than what we're used to. And, I, and we have like a fence, it's kind of like on two sides, on each side of the building, there's a walkway right in the middle of the gym, so each side's kind of fenced in. 
And there's a bunch of other uh, programs that are in there during uh, sports period, like the cheerleaders are in there, the fencers are in there, there's jujitsu guys in there. There's, there's a whole lot of people in the building. So I, not knowing what I was going to be up against, I put the word out to the brigade. Uh, I just figured, hey, if you really want to box, you know where we are. You'll find me. You'll, you'll track me down. You'll track us down. And we already had a good number of, of midshipmen already out for boxing. But anyway, long story short, I, I just didn't get the uh, – because I didn't put that email out, I, I didn't maybe get the disgruntled varsity athlete that was no longer playing or or football player that's a senior that's not going to be worrying about practices anymore. I would say, no, obviously, the, the greatest honor is being a four-time champion. There's two boxers on course for that. Your son, Aiden uh, Jr., is going for his third title, and he's uh, – apparently uh, not facing as tough of an opponent as you might like because uh, there's boxers that have been ducking him because he's so talented. But uh, Adrian Johnson is the other two-time champ with the ability to be a four-time champ. Can you talk about how difficult it is to be a four-time champ? And I should point out that, you know, usually it's hardest to win as a plebe. That's what sets it all up for the opportunity to be a four-time champ. But there's right. pressure to finish. And Kendall Lewis last year, who was a great boxer throughout his career, he couldn't finish. He got beat by Jack Gian in the finals and, and did not finish as a four-time champ. Absolutely. It, it happens. And uh, it's not the first time I had, you know, I had a, a I, I never, I just sticks out in my mind. One particular guy, uh, when he was a plebe a guy named Todd Alexander class of 97, and he was going against in the brigade. And, you know, he, he entered the, the weight class of the defending brigade champ, who was also defending national champ. And I, and I said to Todd, I go, you, I said to him, you might want to move up or down a weight class. I go, you, you know, you're the number one seed is, is pretty good. And he said, no, I'm going to take my chances. And lo and behold, come fight night on the brigade finals, uh, Todd won a split decision over the, over the firsty. And I offered the firsty an opportunity to box off. You know, we can, we, you know, okay, he got you tonight, but let's, is, is he going to be good enough to, to, to win nationals himself? We can do a box off and, you know, maybe a best out of two or three or something like that. And the first he said, you know something, coach, he beat me and let him go. Let, let him go to regionals. I, I, you know, he, he deserves it. And, and that guy, Todd Alexander, went on to become a four-time national champ. So it, it's, uh, yeah, anything can happen, and, it's, it's, and many crazy things have happened over the years. And, and so, yeah, my, like, for example, my son, I mean, he, you know, he's very talented, but, and he's in there with a plebe. But, you know, that, that, that plebe is, it might come out and, and put on the best match of his life. You mentioned Adrian Johnson, so he's the weight class below, and he's in with a plebe. And uh, that that young man is is pretty good. Uh, he has a lot of uh, potential. I think will be a national champ before he graduates, let alone a brigade champ. And so Adrian, you know, uh, he better have his chin strap on tight because because Cam Delay, his name is Cam Delay, and he's gonna he's gonna be coming after him. Cam boxed last week. We had him in his first intercollegiate match at a Penn State Invitational. He went against a tough Army guy that I think was a firsty, and he beat him. <laughs> He's a tough kid, you know, so he's going to give Adrian everything he can handle. Now, let's just say Adrian wins. Let's say Adrian wins. Now we, now we have an interesting – and Aiden, my son Aiden, wins. Then next year, uh, we're going to have an interesting scenario because they're one weight class apart. Aiden could easily get down to 139. Adrian could easily go to 147. 
Um, and they're, and believe it or not, they're actually roommates right now. <laughs> so uh, they did a thing called shotgunning all the companies of freshmen and sophomores last year. They all got shotgunned and sent to all different companies. So they ended up in the same company. And uh, they're good friends. They spar together all the time. They've known each other since plebe year. And they've actually talked about it. said, hey, you know, senior year, if we're both three-time brigade champs, why don't we box each other? <laughs> so, but Adrian's got to get past Cam Delay. He's he's got his work cut out for him, and and Aiden's got to get past Stephen Lubers. And uh, so we'll see. You know, it's uh, a lot of scenarios could happen. And uh, all right. So last for me, uh, we should mention to the listeners that there are two brothers in the finals, and uh, I wrote about this for the Capitol and Coach McNally. I tried to quiz him on how many brothers have actually won championships and there's a few uh the Lanero brothers or three of them were all champions but they weren't champions in the same year you have to go back to 1963 when the Spadafora brothers captured championships in the same on the same night at brigade boxing championships but can you talk about the uniqueness of that having two brothers who could possibly come away with championships coach yeah it's um it's you know, I said well, you had the uh, Spadafores, and then you then you had the um, Arrows, and there was three of them, and they were all all three were uh, brigade champs at different years, none none on the none on the same night. Actually, the first one, Dustin Lanero, probably competed in the best match I've ever seen in my life, and I have seen probably well over ten thousand amateur boxing matches, and I've been all the way to the Olympics as a referee, so I've been involved in from the highest levels and to the very beginning guys like plebe smokers and Dustin Lanero and Tommy Clark in, in 2001 was covering the brigades fought one of the most incredible boxing matches. I, it was, it was almost scary. They were just, you know, neither guy wanted to give in and, and they were both trying to be champs and, and, and gave it everything they had. And it was nothing. They had nothing left after it was over, but, uh, so the Lanero's and then we had, um, the Biggs brothers. There was Jer- Ty Biggs and Jeremy Biggs, and um, and now we had the Matzels, the the Matzel brothers, Vinny and Joey. Uh, Vinny's the older of the two, and he boxes at 195. And um, Vinny's a firsty, and he's one of the co team captains. And uh, and the other the other brother, Joey Matzel. Joey's in with um, Joey's a a guy that came out at last year, and he's a sophomore. All of a sudden this year, he's Putting everything together and his skills are looking really good. Uh, he's in with he was he was my number three seed in the weight class, um, but he knocked off the number one seed last week, which was a surprise to everybody. But I uh, but Joey has really gotten good this year, and he's got he's going against the number two seed this week. Uh, Cole Songanuga uh, was a um, lost in the semifinals last year, but anyway, Cole is 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 himself. Uh, I'm a very good boxer. So that, that in my mind, uh, Joey Mossel versus Cole Songanuga six will probably be the bout of the night. Well, Coach, shout out to my old shipmate, Jeremy Biggs, uh, for getting a shout out from you. Um, served with him on USS George H.W. Bush, and I know he's a friend of the pod. So, you know, before I let you go, I've got to let Chris Cervello, our uh, producer, you know, just to ask you one question and kind of give you his perspective from his own plea boxing uh, memories. But before he jumps in, the first bout of the night is between two female midshipmen. Um, is that the only female midshipman bout of the night? Is there another one? What other bouts should we look forward to? That, that actually is going to be a great starter to the event. 
Elizabeth Grimmick is a prior enlisted uh, seller, and she is the te- woman's team captain. She's a firstie. She's going against a, uh, a, a sophomore, Kayla uh, Gillums, who both of her parents uh, served were Marine gunnery sergeants. Oh, and she's she's pretty tough. <laughs> Haven't been, been no too. tough. A, a, a daughter of two gunneries? No, no, not at all. That's going to be a great start tonight. But uh, we got one, two, three, four women's bouts. That, that'll be the first of the four. So, Coach, I'll just share with the, the larger audience before we started recording. I, I was, you know, kind of giving you my recollection of plea boxing. And um, we, we both kind of joked that I think over the years, like most midshipmen, the guy that I boxed, you know, got taller and heavier and uh, hit harder. And, you know, it's almost like a fish story, but that, how many, how many minutes would you say each midshipman spends in the ring? Right. It, it can't be at more than 10 or 15 total. Right. Yeah. I mean, between the spar, they only spar two one minute rounds. Right. Their yeah. Test, their test only consists of two one minute rounds. But yeah. yeah. They don't do a whole heck of a lot of boxing, but they get in just enough, enough taste of it to, uh, um, to appreciate the level of how good the brigade boxers are, and uh, you know, and they, and they get to know what it's like to get punched in the face and, and come back from that, deal with a little that, bit of adversity. That's exactly right, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, in the ten or so minutes of of my uh, Naval Academy boxing career, one, I remember, I think every punch. I received and, and, you know, maybe the three or four that I was lucky enough to, uh, to deliver, but it does kind of, uh, I think raise the excitement level more than anything else. Uh, you know, there are very few people that played football at a high level. There are very few people that played lacrosse or basketball, but all of us have been punched in the face and know what it's like, uh, to try to, you know, bob and weave against another, uh, person your age and your size so it, it it makes that event so uh so exciting yep and that's why i think uh, you get a very good turnout of midshipmen for the event from cheer on our company mates but also because they can appreciate it because they've gone through it themselves you know? all right well hey coach uh we can't wait to be there on friday i know i can't wait to see wags in his tuxedo I think it's going to be like an off blue sort of like father of the bride with uh steve martin but Thank you again. We'll see you on Friday night, and here's to doing it next year. All right, well, thank you, guys, and appreciate the coverage. All right, All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Jim McNally, who will be shepherding his boxers through brigades on Friday night. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags, Chris, and I will take this out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, one more set of announcements from the Naval Academy Athletic Association before John takes us out. As we mentioned, your Navy men's basketball team has secured one of the top seeds and is set to host a quarterfinal matchup in the Patriot League tournament. Those quarterfinals will take place next Thursday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. against a yet-to-be-determined opponent. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Please come out and support the mids. And while you're on NavySports.com, go ahead and grab your Navy football season tickets. Experience the pageantry and excitement of Navy football all season long by purchasing or renewing your season tickets today. Go to 1-800-US-4-NAVY or NavySports.com to get those tickets. And finally, Navy sports camps are offered throughout the year and registration is open now by also visiting NavySports.com and clicking on the Camps tab. 
At Navy Sports Camps, every camper has the opportunity to learn from the coaching staff, develop new relationships, and understand what it takes to be a Navy student athlete. It is truly a one-of-a-kind camp experience. They look forward to seeing you. Log on to NavySports.com, click on the Camps tab, and set your future Navy athlete up for success. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Great conversation with Coach McNally. Again, if you are around Annapolis tonight, the admission is free. If you have an identification card, a license, a military ID, get in the gate, go to Alumni Hall, watch Brigade Boxing. The admission is free and you get to watch the physical mission on display. Again, this is such a great event. And you're going to see a lot of midshipmen there. Again, we implore those midshipmen to show the same attendance at the basketball games. But let's go first things first. Come out and support the boxers as they go through brigades on Friday night. What else is happening Friday? Uh, Rifle is at the GARC Championships up at West Point. Good luck to them. We've talked about men's and women's swimming and diving at the ECAC Championships They are hosting those on Friday. It starts at 10 a.m. the morning session, 6 p.m. the evening session. Come out and see them. Again, St. Joe's is coming to town to take on Navy Women's Lacrosse at 5 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Come out and see that. We talked about the baseball matchup against Air Force down in North Carolina. And Kip Simons, gymnasts from men's gymnastics, are at the Winter Cup in Frisco, Texas. A really good recruiting ground down there to recruit the future gymnasts for Navy gymnastics. Good luck to Kip and the gymnasts down there. And that is it for Friday. We'll post everything happening on Saturday on our Twitter and Instagram pages. But for now, we are out. So, so grateful to have Jim McNally on here to talk about boxing. Many thanks to Chris Cervello and Bill Wagner. Good luck to all the mids this weekend as they compete. This is Think Second Sports. We'll see you next week. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.